But uh, I, this man needs no introduction. I refer to him as the man, the myth, the legend. Lance Wright is coming to preach for us. Come on, brother. <laughs> For your chocolateized version of Chris Craig. Now, <laughs> amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord. And God, we just give you praise for um, all the wonderful works of your hand, Lord. Uh, all the great things that you've shown us. You've revealed yourself to us, Lord, in, in ways, God, that we just appreciate. Thank you for the gifts tonight. Thank you for the songs. God, thank you for the service. Thank you, God, for giving us a family. God, thank you for the church. God, we thank you for Jesus. So, Father, speak to us, Lord, and just help us to be better and different for you and for your glory. Help us to live uh, our faith out in a way, Lord, that touches the world around us. And, God, we can do that because of Christ Jesus. So, we just give you praise, glory, and honor and all of uh, those wonderful, uh, miraculous things that you've done. And God, you promise us, God, to rescue us. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. And I took the mic up here and didn't even need it. <laughs> Amen. So uh, way to kick off our uh, Wednesday night. Everybody's doing okay tonight. And we are, I mean, everybody's looking well. Like they say, you're a beautiful, beautiful looking crowd tonight. Amen. <laughs> but we, we, I, I have, I'm excited because there, there is a word that I believe the Lord has really um, just pushed in me to really talk about tonight. And I'm thankful to be able to share with the church and even thankful for the opportunity. Uh, we are a great family. And, um, and I'm just grateful to be able to proclaim what's going to be proclaimed tonight. I know the Lord will work. Uh, but I'm going to talk about the message of God's concept of one. And being unified. Uh, and I'll be coming from 1 Corinthians 13. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 2. But just talking about God's concept of being one and being unified. Now, we're going to dig, we're going to talk about Corinthians for a minute. But j just to give an idea of this Corinthian church here, um, to make it light in light of the, the situation here in Corinthians, this is like the Las Vegas of our day. Uh, the church that, that we're going to deal with right here. This, this was like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. They were the worst of the worst. They were an influential city. It was a massive impact in this city. It was a seaport. Uh, all of the trade and the maritime things and the, eco the, the economics of that day were going through Corinthians, the city of Corinth. All of that. In this vast, influential city. The city had been destroyed and rebuilt again because it was such a vital part of that life over there that it needed to be rebuilt again. And so uh, Caesar, he made sure that they rebuilt this city. Now, I want you to see here when Paul, he comes and he talks to us in this language about being together. But how many of y'all know that um, we can search our whole life Looking for a 10. Uh, how many men you know that that's the greatest wish that you could get the perfect 10 and girls, the, the girls are looking for the perfect 10. But really the issue is finding the one. Yeah, the issue is finding the one 
that God has for us. And so when we think of the word unity and we think of what it really means, I want us to think of the church being really one. Uh, how many of y'all know there's no perfect churches? Amen. There's no perfect people. Amen. But we serve a perfect Savior. And I believe that's the heart of what's going on here when we see Paul talk to us about this church here, Corinth, because he addresses us. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, this is how it reads. Paul says this, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace and then in verse 4 he says I always thank my God for you for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus and so here's that issue I said that Corinthian the Corinthian church was like the Las Vegas of the world the the, 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 the temple uh, had so much uh, pagan situations going on with uh, temple prostitution. And I mean, it was a decadent city. I mean, it was a city when you passed by and you were in Corinth, you already knew. If you wasn't focused on what you had to do and you was on business for God, this was the place to be distracted. But how many of y'all know when Paul the Apostle, he writes to them personally with this warm-hearted letter, and he writes to them, and he says with these powerful words, he says, now you uh, Corinthians, the Corinthian church have been called out. He's talking to us, First Baptist, even now, because the issue is that word has been used up to 90 times in the New Testament to talk about the local body of believers who, that's us, that's us here. That's First Baptist, the local assembly. But Paul has a heart for the total body of Christ, and he's talking to every believer who was ever called on the name of the Lord Jesus as their Savior. And how many of y'all are glad because he talks specifically to us? In this scripture, Paul doesn't say, you know what, in a roundabout way in the church uh, beside uh, 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 California Street, let's just use any uh, place. He, he, he goes specifically and calls them by name. So I just want to ask this question, First Baptist, how many of y'all glad God calls us by name? He specifically talks to us. He specifically wants to hear from us and live with us and be with us in every situation. He's not general. God is saying, I want to talk specifically to you, Corinth, even though you have all of these distractions outside of your city and these things going on. I want to point your attention to the one who unifies us perfectly. And he calls them God's holy people. That's who we are. God's holy people, chosen. He says, pulled out, called out, and he wants us to feel the weight of this call that we have from him. Also, I want us to see this here. Um, we we got to see in verse 4, look at the, the language that Paul uses when he talks to us. He says, I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Now, this is why I get fired up because he's telling us, God, G through Jesus Christ, God has taken possession of us. 
He's, he's taken us and he's, he's called us his own and now we belong to him. Now we have a reason to give God glory. Now that we belong to Christ Jesus, we have a reason to thank God every day for living. Now that we belong to Christ Jesus, the gifts that God have given us, now we can put them on display. He says, Jesus has possessed us. He's taken us. Uh, it's the picture and the imagery of war when they went into a city and if a king took his army and they went and won in a certain particular part of a city, it was said that they took that city completely captive. And when they took that city completely captive, they created the rules and they were able to, to line out the, 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 the sovereign rule of that king because now he's taken that city captive. And in verse 4 here, when Jesus Christ calls us and when Jesus Christ saves us, First Baptist, he takes us captive. And now that he's taken us captive, the language here is saying that now because we belong to him and we've been taken captive by him, there are some things he's going to take away from us if we give it to him. And there are some things he's going to give us that's for the people that he's called us to be around. Isn't it exciting to know that when God takes captive of you, he takes captive the wrong stuff, the things that we need to get out of us, some of the attitudes and dispositions that we need to leave behind us, and he gives us these great and perfect gifts that we ought to display and live and be in the world that we're living in to touch them for his glory. Amen? Yeah, he, he takes us captive and he gives us these wonderful gifts. This is Paul's language and he says, because of this great gift that he's given us, we ought to go out and touch the world for God's glory. And since we've been taken captive, let's go ahead and liberate others through, through, through our lives. Let's go ahead and be that to the world, to Rustin. Let's go ahead and have the mindset together to be motivated and to be driven by this call that he gives us to go out and touch people for the glory of God. And, and just in verse 5 and 6, also let's look at what he says and tells us. He says, I, I thank God that I guarantee, he says, I've, your, your faith has been enriched and your church has been enriched in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge. Verse 6 says, this confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. That's verses 5 and 6, church. Here's, here's the passion behind Paul's words. Since Christ has redeemed us, since Christ has saved us, since Jesus is unifying us to his call and his kingdom, he's saying there ought to be a difference in the way that we talk to each other. He's saying because the Spirit of God is living in us, because the Spirit of Jesus is touching us, he's saying now you talk different to each other. Now we relate different to each other because of the Spirit of God in us. And that's an exciting, not only exciting, that is a motivational, not only motivational, that is a life-changing understanding of what it means that Christ has guaranteed that. Paul was saying Christ, Jesus, is the guarantee with the change of heart that leads to a change of talk and a change of direction. 
And here it is, that language he's given us here. That's who we are. He, he goes a little further and he said, verse 7, we don't have any reason to be insecure, First Baptist, in our lives. We don't have any reason to live a, a, um, a, a life that is beneath the call that God has for us because our security is in Jesus Christ. And so because of all of that and knowing that he is in us the way that he wants to be and the way that we allow him to be in our lives, now we can have the security to go out. Not matter. It don't matter. Work every day. Uh, the job, the boss that, that you have to deal with and, and, and all of the day-to-day functions of life because of the one who's living inside of us is helping to touch us and relate to the world around us. You you see, the Corinthians, even though they had all those distractions and all those things, uh, Paul was saying the excuses are out of the door because of the one who purchased us. He he pays such a high cost and such a sacrifice that now if I can just engage with him every day, can make a difference at my job make a difference with my family you can make a difference and you can be for them whose God is calling you to be the language here goes even a little further Uh, look at how Paul says this in in verse 7 he says uh, now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ Uh, Lord it's about to get rocky in here first Baptist Verse 8 says, he will keep you strong to the end so you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God, in verse 9, God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says and has invited you into partnership with his son Jesus Christ. Uh, here when he's, he's, he's pushing us even more to see everything that we do is a great expectation when we wake up in the morning for the Lord. Everything that we do in our walk with Jesus is an expectation on his return and him coming to be with us forever in unity and us in passion and us in fellowship together. And when he talks in this language and he says, look, I want you to eagerly wait upon the Lord Jesus Christ for your strength and for your calling because he's the one that's going to supply you supernaturally with the things you need to live in his power. And so here we think about when we go to a restaurant and you make your order and the waiter comes to your table and the waiter uh, says, what would you like today? Uh, What would you like to eat tonight? And all of a sudden you tell the waiter, you give her everything in detail that you want. But after you place the order in, now you got to wait for a little bit Uh, because now the cook has got to cook it up in the back. They got to make it back there in the kitchen, get it all hot and good and stirred up for you. But, But the whole time we're waiting for the food to come. Yeah, we're waiting because uh, even when we're waiting, our attitude in waiting has everything to do with the thing that we're waiting on. So when I'm hungry, you better believe I'm waiting with some anticipation for my food to come help me, somebody. Come on, y'all with me? Uh, So when I'm in the restaurant and I didn't went in there starving, once I order my food, I'm waiting with the anticipation that it's coming and I want it now. Amen? 
So here when we hear the language of Paul talking about how we should be waiting on the Lord Jesus Christ, he's saying, look, once you put the order in in prayer, once you spend time with Jesus in your life the way you desire and the way he desires you to spend time with him, you ought to be able to place in the order and be able to wait in anticipation knowing Jesus Christ has wiped your sins away, right? And so now I'm waiting on him to redo everything in strength to live out the call that he has in this city in Ruston every day we live we are waiting the the anticipated return of our Lord Jesus Christ and so because I'm waiting on that good food that he cooked spiritually for us changing us making us more like him now we live with a different passion Now we live with a different anticipation because we placed the order in. He did it with what he did on the cross. And he finished the work for us. Now we're eagerly waiting for the spiritual strength to do the things that he needs you to do every day. My goodness, Paul, he, he's pumping us up. He says, he says it to the point of common ground. He tells us in verse 9, he says, God will do this through you, church. God will do this through us, First Baptist. God will do this through us because what has he done? He said he's invited us to partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we have common ground with Jesus because God, even though he was up in heaven and uh, everything was fine, he was in first class, he's saying, look, when he sent his son, he came down the coach to live with us and now that we know what God feels like, now that we know what God feels like and what he did when he walked through Jesus, talked through Jesus, and we have this fellowship with Jesus because he came down with us, and now I can't say, I can't really uh, feel the way that God felt, or I can't really feel his pain or feel his compassion. No, God is saying he didn't stay up there. He brought Jesus, sent Jesus down. Now we have the common ground with him to go out and do what he did when he changes us. It's to make common ground with everybody that we come in contact with. That means we're redoing our resources, we're redoing our lives to fit it according to the one who we have common ground with. His passion here is saying, Corinthians, I know y'all got a lot of distractions and a lot of things going on, but we got fellowship with Jesus and too much in common with him. To let this world what fall by the wayside. We got CNN, we got Fox News, and we got all these things, amen, trying to make us the divided states of America. But how many of y'all know that if we, the believers, would just live the light out, amen, if we live the light out, like Jesus told us, be the salt and light of the earth. And now we'll be more concerned, amen, with God's church and what the church is going to do now than what the political parties could ever do and all of the things that make us divided. Our unity and our power is in Jesus Christ. Amen. And as I say that, I, I feel something uh, deep down inside of me because I know uh, that the distraction of our day is the race wars and the distraction of our day is the political situations going on. And all of that is trying to get us to not focus on the one who can save us. 
All of those things going on in our world right now. It's trying to get us off course. Amen. And make us forget about the one who can eternally say. Uh, y'all, in verse, I, I'm trying to close here in a minute. Amen, somebody. How much time I got, church? Y'all, help me, help me, pastor. Help me, somebody. All right. Verse 10. Here, here it goes. Uh, it, it says this. I, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. That's our focus. In harmony. Let no divisions be in the church. He said, I want you all to be one in mind and in purpose. His idea of being one in mind and in purpose is saying we so joined at the hip together in our belief about Jesus that we're not letting factions, schisms, and all these uh, things that were trying to divide the Corinthian church. Speakers and great uh, ministers and all these things that were becoming distractions in this church. He said, but be one in focus. Remember that the unified, the power is in Jesus. He's saying, don't lose focus on the things that the world would, but stay unified in Jesus. My God, I, I, I just, I sense, I sense all of the distractions going on right now, I, I just sense it. Focus on the Lord. Let's stay, let's stay rooted in the mission. Let's stay rooted in uh, winning the world and rusting with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's stay rooted in the major and keep majoring in what's major and don't minor in the minor. I, I'm not sure what th- this is for, but I know God, he's calling us to unifying Jesus. And these days, he's saying, look, don't, don't get caught up in the conversations uh, that divide people that's going on at your job. They're trying to pull you into something. Hey, Amen. Remember the call. Remember the one who's living on the inside of you. Is that conversation, ask yourself, is that conversation going to edify that person to know the Lord Jesus deeply? Or is it only going to fix an, 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 an opinion that's rooted in something that's not spiritual? Amen, somebody. Hmm. Perfectly joined together with the same mind and the same judgment. It was the medical term that was used that meant to mend a broken leg or to mend a joint together. God was saying that's the kind of closeness he wants for us. That's the oneness he's looking for. That's us carrying this call, being together, and knowing that every problem, read the promise. Every time we're encountering these problems, church, let's not forget the promises of God. What did Jesus have to say about this? Because I'm glad that Paul was the chariot for saying, let's be unified together. Let's be uh, on the same team together. I'm glad Paul, the called out apostle, was saying, don't get 
caught up in uh, the speakers. Don't get caught up in, in um, Peter or Paul or Apollos because Apollos was a dynamic preacher uh, who had a ministry in Corinth. Uh, Paul was the one who planted the church. Peter was one of the original disciples that walked with Jesus. And the Corinthian church was all caught up because they really didn't even know uh, who they really wanted to follow. So they had another group. The fourth group said, you know what, since y'all so crazy to follow all them jokers, they said, I'm just going to follow Christ. <laughs> that was the last group. And here is what I'm beckoning us and calling us to understand in our unity and knowing the Lord is to say. They didn't even have the New Testament text yet when Paul was writing. They had to rely heavily on teaching and teachers because the New Testament canon hadn't been written yet. And so the teachers were even held in more esteem. But Paul was saying not even because of that. He said, remember the one who saved you. Remember the one who can save Rustin. Remember the one that can save that person at your job that maybe you've been battling with and dealing with because of their attitude. And maybe God has you there to be an example for Christ for them. So they, they can watch you for two years, being patient, you still waiting on the Lord, that they can watch you and just, uh, yeah, good guys, they, they, they respond to things different. They, they do things different. They're watching our lives, First Baptist. The, the world is watching our lives, First Baptist. And so he's saying, because of all that, keep in mind who was going to save them. But that you are the vessel, First Baptist, we are the vessels. That God's going to use to 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 really uh, bring it home. Paul in First Corinthians later on in the first chapter. Uh, after that in chapter nine, uh, Lord have mercy. I'm still thinking about the time. Somebody help me. All right. Somebody help me. First Corinthians nine, uh, because this is Paul's words again. Before we go to what Jesus said, Paul said in verse nineteen uh, uh, in chapter nine, he said, "Even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people and to bring." many to Christ. He said, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I'm not subject to that law. He said, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who were under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles, he said, who do not follow the Jewish law, I live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. Oh my God. He said, but I do not ignore the law of God. He said, I obey the law of Christ. Verse 22 when I'm with the weak he said I, I chose to share my weakness to bring them to Christ. He says yes I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do it to spread the good news and share this message. Why am I shouting? Because a preacher yells it and a teacher tells it. But I'm shouting right now to y'all because the passion here is because God is saying look do everything you can to bring them to Jesus Rustin First Baptist this congregation do everything you can to win them to the Lord Jesus not to a political party not to a political train of thought a certain president a certain king But do all you can to win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' words was like this. 
In John 17, Jesus said, God, my prayer is that they would be one. It was the true Lord's prayer in John 17. Let's go there for a minute. Good God Almighty. John 17, Jesus said this. He said, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also uh, those who will ever believe in me through their message in verse 20 in John 17. Verse 21, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Verse 22, he says, I have given them glory you gave me so that they may be one. As me and you are one, I in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. Perfect unity. Perfect mindset in him. Perfect joined at the hip together in him. Perfect uh, attitude about the focus. That's Jesus. Touching the people that you go around. Our vision, our mission. Win the world and rust to Jesus Christ. That's who we are. That's, that's our identity. You better believe it, baby. Uh, that's, that's the word. Uh, I get the privilege of being able to be with the football team at Grambling. And man, it's an honor to serve them. It's an honor to be with them. I get to hear the head coach say this to his team before every meeting. He said, guys, what's your focus? And all together they have to say, win. And they clap. And it sound like, sound like some guys getting ready for war, Pastor Chris. Guys, what's your focus? Win. And I mean, it's like rapid fire. Now, for the sake of us being on a Wednesday night service, I'm not going to do that in here tonight, all right, First Baptist, because I don't want to be remembered for doing the corniest thing ever on stage at First Baptist. (laughs) But when Jesus is calling and rallying up the disciples there, he's getting in the middle of them. It's him and the Lord. And he talks to the Lord. And it's almost like he says these words. God, what their focus ought to be. When? First Baptist, our mission. As a church family, Paul said brothers and sisters. He didn't even say friends there. Our relationships are deeper than that in the church. Our relationships are family. It's blood. It's thicker than mud. What's our focus? It's to win. Rusting to Jesus Christ. That win, when coach calls them up, is for what's important now. W-I-N. What's important now, in these days, with everything going on in the culture around us, with every conversation that happens in the city of Ruston, with everything that go on outside in the, 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 the bigger cities, and what's going on 
The real question is, what's our focus? Let's be unified in winning people to Jesus Christ. Let's take on his burden. And let's do it for his glory. Will you pray with me, church? God, I I just thank you, God, because you are Lord. And um, God, you died for us. And you rose for us. And your desire is still not just to save us, but to live in us, Lord. Father, thank you for your people and for your word. And I pray that you're speaking to your people continually, Lord. Help move us and motivate us, God, to the, to the vision, to the mission, oh God, to win Rustin and the world. To Jesus. Pray that even now we hear you clearly, Lord, and we know what you're calling us to do and being unified in that. And we'll be careful to give your name the praise, the glory, and the honor. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.